Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gill here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati. We're both staying home for the holidays here. Thanksgiving edition of the podcast. If you're listening on Thanksgiving, you fucking love to see that commitment. We are talking NFL Week 11 preview, not the Thanksgiving games. Got a listener mailbag on the back end, some trivia at the back end. Then guess what? Interview with Penn State's Arnold Abichetti. A fantastic interview to close out your Thanksgiving Thursday. Let's get it. is the day or today today recording on wednesday wednesday 336 tomorrow is the day where we will see everyone and their mother have the same take on turkey oh. offer, offering it as if it's a unique take are you excited for that no it's already begun honestly we get it you don't eat turkey all the time no one eats turkey around it's because it's not that special it's not that spectacular we know but it's tradition, and you're still going to – if you don't fucking eat it, you're a big weird. We know you prefer dark meat over white meat. You know that turkey – we know that you think turkey is dry. We know that you think it's overrated. We know that you'd rather have steak. I don't give a fuck. I don't care about your turkey Put a taste. goddamn turkey in the oven. I would say. rather see someone go on Twitter tomorrow and be like, I fucking love turkey. It would yeah. be a great change of pace. It would be a really turkey. great change of pace. Thank you, Quinn. Send it. I love turkey. I, I will say, you get a good turkey leg – 100%. That's that's right up. That's as good as any chicken. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you're comparing turkey to steak, you're already being a moron yeah. anyway. Make sure you can eat steak every day for the rest of your life and die. I actually prefer lobster over turkey. I'm a kind of you know it's a different take for me. <laughs> yeah. No shit, you prefer, prefer lobster over turkey. Turkey's a I'm cheap. more of a wagyu guy. <laughs> well, if it's not wagyu, I'm not. I had prime rib on a Thanksgiving once. It was yeah, phenomenal. that's actually prime rib is a good Christmas. That's more oh, of a Christmas yeah. tradition. I like ham more though. I like ham too. Yeah. Anyway. I wanted, I wanted to do Thanksgiving side rankings, yes. power rankings. But before we do so, in my family, before it was a broken home, I was the guy who cooked the Thanksgiving turkey. Really? And the first year, in the first year, I did a brown bag, pa- brown paper bag turkey where you butter the fuck out of a brown paper bag, stick the turkey in it, and then it cooks a little bit longer, breast side down, and it comes out phenomenal. Second year I did it, so you... Butter the fuck out of this bag, like yeah. oil this bag up, just like you're <laughs> okay. But you, you um, know, you make this happen. You make this happen, right? And then you put it on a pan because you have a butter brown bag in the oven. If you let that thing drip onto the bottom, you're toast. Second year I did it, didn't look Got at the, the directions. Pan. I put the pan in the bag too. Oh, and so you're smoking up. So, your oven's just so then the oven catches on fire. Oh, turkey's yeah. toast. We end up getting like sandwiches for tur- Thanksgiving. It was kind of a disaster. I haven't cooked it since. That is, if you are a turkey noob. Cooking your first turkey this year. Wrapping a turkey is the easiest way to come out with a solid turkey. Yes. Wrapping it something. Yes. Like uh, tinfoil, whatever you want. Wrapping it's a quick way to get a more moist turkey than following a perfect moisture. (laughs) All right. Let's rank these sides. The number one side, and I know we both agree with this, it shouldn't even come close, is stuffing. I, I don't yeah. care if it's, it's box Stouffer stuffing or obviously the more enriched you go with it and kind of flex on the stuff, that's going to be pretty fire. If you want to throw it in the ch- turkey, chicken. if you want to throw it in the turkey, probably better that way. Yeah. But any sort of stuffing is the bomb. I have a take on stuffing. It should be alongside fries and like tater tots as yes. a, just an option at restaurants. Why isn't it year round? Yeah. Why I stuffing? think that's the, the more nuanced Thanksgiving take is not, you know, turkey versus ham. It's should stuffing be a year round yeah. dish. Because it should be. Yeah. It should be. It's I, very good. I, I agree with that. All right. Your number two My side. My number two side is wine. I'm not a big <laughs> wine guy, but on Thanksgiving, something about it calls for wine. Holidays in general. Yeah. But that's, I mean, those are my most two most consumed right there are stuffing and wine sauce. So, I, I mean, I'm big, number two for me, and I'm kind of a piece of shit for this, cranberry sauce. Cranberry Ooh. sauce makes a bad turkey good. It's a, probably the whole reason it came out, you know, the canned cranberry sauce. It's like <laughs> turkey making... tastes like shit. This is a good way to, like, make sure you only taste yeah. cranberry when you eat your turkey. But you get the stuffing, a roll, turkey, maybe a little mashed tape, then some cranberry sauce, and you stack Lons, that puppy yeah. up. That's a, that's a hot, that's a hot. I'm getting a little hot right here. Over if you talking about. put it in like a waffle iron and then oh, make wow. it into like a, a panini, good. Just a little waffini, little protein. Your number three side. My number three side's a roll mm. of any kind. Um, my my hot Thanksgiving take is that all the vast majority of traditional Thanksgiving desserts suck. Yes, are, are not worth the calories. Mm-hmm. But a nice Thanksgiving roll with some butter 
You don't even have to put anything on it. Mm. It's good enough roll. Yeah. Bomb. Number three for me, I don't know if I'd lean roll, honestly. I, I, number three for me, I honestly might Go. just leave it. I just want stuffing and cranberry sauce. It's the only reason You're I, I don't even need I don't need a third piece, but I do have a take on dessert. Apple pie. The fact that lattice apple pie exists is an absolute joke. Yeah. The only apple pie that's worth its fucking salt is crumb apple pie. Why would you want your pie topping to be anything else? The crummy cinnamon sugary fire yeah. is obje- the Dutch or the Dutch apple pie or whatever is the best one. The lattice is just a flex. It's an unnecessary flex. You're trying it's to a butt cheeks flex. It's it's what you bring to like your relative that you want to prove that you're you make more money than. You yeah. bring the lattice apple yeah. pie, and everyone's like, oh, shit, they brought the lattice apple pie. They, they make have. way more money than me. Yeah. That's everyone's first reaction. <laughs> oh, my God, they're rolling in dough. They yeah. just brought in the lattice. All right, let's get our college football playoff reactions, too. Enough Thanksgiving talk. We're going to get enough of that tomorrow. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State moving up two spots to number two. Called it. Then Bama goes to three. Cincinnati at four, first group of five team to ever make the top four in any ranking in the college football playoff history. At five, Michigan. For now, Notre Dame at six. We've had this conversation on the Monday podcast. This is what you saw coming down the pike. Now, the only route I see here for, I honestly think the most likely team to be the number four team, or um, yeah, the number four team is Notre Dame. I think it's ultimately going to be Georgia, Ohio State, Cincy, because Bama loses to Georgia in the national championship, and Alabama at two maybe drops down to four, right? Like if they stayed at two and they lost to Georgia in a close one, maybe they drop only to four. At three, they're gone. They lose. I don't care. Two lost Alabama team is not making the top four. So then it goes one Georgia, two Ohio State, three Cincy, and then four. Here comes Notre Dame off a blowout against Stanford. Yeah, so in my Kaiser Suse, uh sort of what was putting that? the— Kaiser Suse? That was what— wasn't that what who uh, Charlie Day was talking about? I don't know. The, one, the, the Charlie Day rant that I went on about the college football playoff in the other episode. You haven't seen the Always Sunny episode. Maybe I haven't either. Now that I say that. <laughs> but no, Pe- Pepe Silvia. That's who it was. Not mm, Very similar. That's who Close. That's who it was. It's right on the money there. I mean, <sighs> that was like oh, – never mind. There's something to that. There but isn't. At the top seven, right? And what I did not expect was Baylor at eight, which to me actually signals that Oklahoma State could have a good shot of making the college football playoff because they have Oklahoma this week and then they'd have Baylor if they beat Oklahoma in the finals. So that would be two back-to-back top 10 teams that they would have beaten to go into the barn. So I think they have a good chance of jumping Notre Dame should that be the case. But on the flip side of things, Oklahoma sitting at 10, wait, getting no respect at this point with only one loss, with two, two, two lost teams ahead of them, if they beat Oklahoma State back-to-back weeks, I'm not sure they jump Notre Dame. So... That's all. That's my only takeaway. But I thought they got the top six correct. I think that's how it should be right now. I'm, I agree. And I said on the Chris Collinsworth podcast, which you haven't watched yet, go check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast. Me, Mike, and Chris all sit down to talk shop in college football. I said the four best teams in college football are Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, and I remember who I said now. I said Alabama. Alabama. Those are the four best teams. But those aren't ultimately going to be what makes it, right? That's why I'm hoping Alabama wins against well, it Georgia. it should just be the four best teams. Because a theoretical best is you can't prove it. Yeah, no, I know. I know yeah. it shouldn't just be the four best teams. Yeah. But I hope it is the four best teams. And it should. And the only way that happens is if SC, you know, Alabama, Alabama beats Georgia, then you'll probably get a Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Cincy. Yeah. Would be hot. Would be pretty hot. Except for Notre Dame. The Same last again. catch an early buzz I have here is Aaron Rodgers showed his toe on Zoom. Now, this isn't like that guy who got caught masturbating on Zoom. But it's being shared yeah, at the he did same. This it's shared at the same volume, right? I have um, not, I did not actually end up seeing that guy's penis. So you don't have that bookmarked? Volume. I can send you the link. Yeah. I have it right here on Google Chrome. No, go ahead. But uh, the, your reaction to everyone and their mother sending out the screenshot. Well, the, the funny part to me was that he joked on the Pat McAfee show that it was COVID toe because people were theorizing that it, it could have been COVID toe, and that's why he shows Wait, his what foot. The, what the hell? COVID is- toe is like a rash you get after getting COVID, and people are like, oh, it could be COVID toe, and he like trollingly said oh yeah you mean my covid toe on pat McAfee show and wall street journal ran with that and wrote a whole article about how Aaron Rodgers has covid toe and then so that's why he shows his toe how is this the first time i'm hearing about covid toe uh it was kind of all over twitter i don't know i follow the packers people because obviously uh obvious reasons my parents live in green bay but that's neither here nor there 
but he does not have COVID toe. He has a broken pinky toe, which I've actually had twice. So this is one injury I can speak on. It sucks, but you just kind of – you can walk. You just have like to mobilize it. You just stick it to your ne- next toe and kind of deal with the pain. Mike. I broke it in a door hinge, and I broke it with a golf club hitting it. Both has good. Quinn, do you, have you heard of COVID toe before this? No. I don't. I mean, I know the story. I know about Aaron Rodgers and his his COVID toe thing. Dude, you Google no, I, COVID toe. This thing's fucking foul, dude. It looks like kind of like frostbite. Should I stitch in yeah. a picture? Stitch in a picture of COVID toe. The first one is foul. It looks like uh, it looks like um, yeah. There's bl- blisters all over your toe. I'll it stitch lo- in a tame picture. Stitch, stitch in something hot. But that's why he shows his oh, toes. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. I'll now. stitch in the Aaron Rodgers picture too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, don't stitch in the masturbating uh, video that we spoke about. That be- that one's easy enough to find. Yeah, you'll yeah. find that anywhere. Search, you like. all right. search dancing bear and you'll find catch an early buzz. Before we do it, what's can you give me your best Thanksgiving? What was your best Thanksgiving? No, was not going to give you the best Thanksgiving. I don't know. Like they're all good. I'm always thankful. They're all good. Go. What are you thankful yourself. for this year, Austin? Your mom's ass. All right, one o'clock slate. Steelers, Bengals. Bengals favored by four and a half, and I want to give them the kiss of death again. The kiss of death is me thinking the Bengals will lose. Oh no, no, no. Me thinking the Bengals will win, and then yeah. they lose. I am going to back the Bengals this week, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bengals fans. I'm sorry, Bengals kingdom. I'm backing the Bengals. Joe Burrow has been great this year, and the Steelers aren't. <laughs> Big Ben ranks 25th among 26 quarterbacks with at least 200 dropbacks from a clean pocket in grade. They rank 23rd in EPA per play on offense. There is zero reason this Steelers team should go into Cincinnati and beat them. Let alone, I think that, I, I, I don't think they'll beat them. Steelers could cover. It is four and a half. That's through a three key number there. And the Bengals have been up and down. Joe Burrow coming off one of the worst games we've had in his season this year. He only had, I think, four passes over well, 10 yards in that game. He needs to play as well as he has in previous weeks. I think he can. The Steelers' defense isn't as vaunted as it was. You still have T.J. Watt questionable injury, even though he's expected to return. He's coming back from an injury. I'm keen on on the Cincinnati Bengals this week. I like them to cover the four and a half. Yeah, see, I have no real, nothing really to add to that other than expectations are simply too high for Cincinnati. This is when, as everyone in Cincinnati knows. Don't say it. When expectations are high. They crumble. The worst. We're split here. This is 2015 playoffs. Versus the Steelers at home, sort of high expectations that they're just going to lose. Like it's like oh, it's, it's no. going to fall. It's going to fall apart. Oh, it just always no. does. And the Steelers are always the one that does it because they're the perennial winners, whereas the Cincy is the perennial doormats. I hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong, but it just seems like expectations are getting too high once again, and that's just kind of. It's not an analytical here. take from an analytical company, <laughs> but you speak 100%. You're speaking Bengals. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. Also, uh, Big Ben might have COVID toe, too. Oh, yeah, we have, have to, we seen his about. feet? Have we seen Ben's feet? That might help him, though. You know? COVID toe? Like, Big Ben, when he's banged up, that's a dangerous Big Ben. Big yeah. Ben fully healthy with a week of practice is the one you want to see, actually. I don't know if anyone wants to see him banged up. But uh, let's get off this game. You're taking Steelers plus four and a half? I'm taking Steelers. And you're taking him to win? Would you take any on the money? Yeah. Oh, my God. Bucks at Colts. Bucks are only three-point favorites on the road against Indy. Tampa, top five in both EPA per play on offense, EPA per play allowed on defense. They have been good this year. Very good this year. And while the Colts have played a lot better down the stretch, and like in the run game, I think they rank second in EPA per rush. Like Jonathan Taylor has gotten it going. However, I am saying this. Jonathan Taylor does not have a day against this Bucks defense. Only one player, no, only two players over the last two seasons have rushed for more than 100 yards against this Tampa Bay defense, and that's Khalil Herbert this season and Dalvin Cook last year, and they barely cleared 100. I don't think Jonathan Taylor has this day that's been propping up the Colts. They're going to have to lean more on Carson Wentz, and anytime you're leaning on Carson Wentz, shit hits the fan. I think shit hits the fan this week, even at home. I like the Bucks minus three. Yeah, I like the Bucks minus three as well. The reason being, Vita Vea, Back this week, should be playing. That's just a difficult defense to run the ball against when he is healthy and playing. And Sean Murphy bunting, low-key, we didn't really talk about last week on Monday Night Football, but he is back, giving them Jamel D and Sean Murphy bunting, giving them a formidable cornerback duo once again that, yeah, I like this Bucks defense when they're at full strength. Panthers. Fuller strength. Fuller fuller, strength. Fuller, more Can fuller. you modify full? Fuller strength. Panthers at Dolphins. Dolphins, one-and-a-half-point dogs at home over the Cam Newton flying high Carolina Panthers. This defense in Carolina... They just lost. No, they're flying high on vibes. 
the it's a vibe I'm, team. It's, it's a, I mean, it's very vibe. They're flying at a faster speed than they were with Sam Darnold. Yes, and more fun okay. speed. Yeah, a vibe of feet speed. <laughs> Defensively, though, they've been consistent all season long. They ranked yeah. third in EPA per play allowed on defense, and that's with you know their pressure rate to start the season was phenomenal. They rank outside the top. 15 in pressure rate on the season even after that hot start a lot of this being some of the stuff that they've had on the back end with Dante Jackson and company like they've played well in the secondary meanwhile Miami I looked at EPA per play which Kobe Brissett and every other quarterback but Tua they rank better in efficiency with Brissett than they have with Tua even though Tua has played better this offense still is not hitting on all cylinders I think this is the week where Cam Newton Chris McCaffrey go down to South Beach not only do they cover this number, I think they win big, man. I think this is a big Carolina Panthers win against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, you got a sack specialist duo in Hassan Reddick, who has 14 sacks by our charting. Brian Burns with seven, going up against a pair of tackles that have allowed 14 sacks themselves this season. That's a bad combo, and they get home quick, man, those guys. They are fast off the edge. So I just, yeah, that off the line, that's that, – going up against a real defense they're not going to be able to sustain drives there's not any t- any drop back passing will result in a sack eventually during the drive and that's going to end them before we get to titans at patriots i have to bring up a proud sponsor of this podcast you know who it is it is x chair x chair has been a phenomenal sponsor of the tailgate podcast it's a new sponsor but it's been a phenomenal one and my take on x chair really is is that i want to work more in my chair that is of the X variety than I want to work in any other chair. Working from home is more important than ever now. Optimize your home office with an X chair and many of our accessories to enhance your focus, productivity, and energy and comfort. Once you feel the customized support of X chairs, patented dynamic, variable, lumbar, or DVL, there's no going back. I might get a DVL tattoo on my chest. I might. DVL, dynamic, variable, lumbar, why not me? You know, you made fun of my tattoo about the office on my thigh. What about a DVL tattoo on my chest? You're saying nothing. It's probably better than the one on your oh, thigh. Oh, fuck off. It, it, it's, it's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X-Chair. With versatile comfort and extraordinary design, X-Chair fits any space. High performance, quality engineering, and extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X-Chair. Now I can't wait to be at work. And sometimes, even if I'm not working, I sit in the X-Chair and I'm like... I'm a big fan of this. Take my advice. Try X Chair for yourself. Risk free for 30 days. Go to xchairtailgate.com. That's the letter X Chair, T A I L G A T E.com. Or call 1 844 X Chair. $100 off your first order. X Chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort. And you can financial purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairtailgate.com. If you're watching on YouTube, check on the link to below. You can also get Manscaped. Manscaped just launched new products, including their own all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls for this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. So go get yourself, your dad, your brother, your mom's boyfriend, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code PFF. Clean up your nuts to make who proud? Santa. Make Santa proud with some fucking clean-ass nuts. Okay, so like it says clean up your nuts. Shouldn't it be clean up your sack since Santa carries a sack? No, it should. But I think nuts holds more weight. I'm, they, trying to, I'm trying to work on the copy here for them. Would you prefer, because they have balls in the copy, nuts in the copy, but no sack in the copy. Yeah, Santa Cures is any, any thoughts on, why don't we talk? Let's, let's be honest about here. I hate to run a read long here. Yeah. But when you are shaving your pubes, yeah. 20% of the shave is on your nuts. 80% is in the pubic reach. Where's yeah, well, the pu- most where is- the most precarious is on the sack. Yeah. You know, no, like, no, that's yeah, that is where you got to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Because I think pubic region kind of gets left out in this read, right? Well, yeah. I Make mean, Santa proud and clean up that fucking pubic region. the tops of your thighs, you weirdo. No, that's true. Tops of your thighs. I think that's a good take. All right, let's get out of this. Titans at Patriots. This number has gotten out to seven. Patriots at home favored by seven over the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are flailing right now their offense ranks 31st in epa per play since derrick henry got hurt do running backs matter maybe they do they just cut adrian peterson they're running dante foreman 
Adrian, Adrian Peterson does not matter. No, no, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know Adrian Peterson doesn't matter, but I'm saying they're looking yeah, for yeah. help and desperation yes. Yes, yes, in yes, the yes. backfield because so much of this offense is predicated on him and all that shit. They have not been playing well of late. Meanwhile, since week five, so throughout the first four weeks, this offense in New England with Mac Jones ranks top five in EPA per play. The defense season long ranks top five in EPA per play allowed. Mm-hmm. They also rank tied for second in total explosive plays on offense when throwing the football, right behind Dallas. And that's with Mac Jones and this baby arm bullshit or whatever. I think Jacoby Myers is being underrated. I think Kendrick Bourne, who ranks 10th in yards per run this season among all receivers, also being underrated. The Pats maybe shouldn't be favored by 7, 7.5. It gets to that number. I'm just betting Tennessee at a hope. But I like the Pats to win. And I will say cover the 6.5. If it gets to 7, it gets to 7.5. That key number, I'll bet Titans. But right now, 6.5, I'm taking New England. The, the Titans are, this is going to sound a lot like my explanation for the, the Bengals, literally in the anti- expectation specialists this season rams game damn near touchdown dog win outright chiefs game bills game same story texans game 10 point favorite lose so when they are this big dog like they are in this game they're gonna win that's just that's just the pattern they've been going up against and and now to actually give some real analysis to that the defense has not really gone anywhere the defense held up well against the texans held up well against the rams held up well against the chiefs obviously like this defense is for real has players at every level i think that can actually match up with the patriots and they aren't going to get bullied around by this defensive line or excuse me offensive line like they have the patriots won as patriots have done in recent weeks so for that reason six and a half is just a lot again for a good team to be getting so you are getting you're betting titans titans all right fair enough eagles at giants Giants, three-and-a-half-point dogs at home. And I said the Titans were flailing. This Giants team has got Freddie Kitchens calling plays this week. Yeah. It's, it's a down-bad situation in New York, in East Rutherford. They know they're cleaning house. Everyone in that locker room knows Freddie Kitchens, Joe Judge, Gettleman might all be out here. Daniel Jones might be fucking out. I don't think anyone's really locked in for this home game against an Eagles team that ranks third in EPA per play since week six. That is literally running the football at the highest rate of any team in that stretch and still ranks Top three in EPA per play. This offensive line is buzzing. Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, I don't care who it is, Jalen Hurts, they are running the football with a lot of success. And while this Giants defense is built to stop the run with some of the fatties down low, I don't think there are enough fatties and enough energy in that locker room. This is a reeling team to really fucking stop this Eagles team. Yes. and I picked a lot of favorites. I'm going to get boned again, huh? Hmm. I picked Bengals, Bucks, Panthers, Pats and fucking <laughs> Eagles. I need to right. stop betting. I need to yeah. stop betting because I'm a moron. This one, though, I'm with you. I-, I will say Giants have the second lowest pass rushing grade of any team in the NFL. The only one lower is the Falcons. We already saw what the Eagles did to the Falcons, and that was the demolition in week one. Like, if you cannot get to Jalen Hurts, and you're not going to, and he has all day, I mean, shit, anyone in the NFL that has all day, but especially Jalen Hurts with how dynamic he is as a runner, and especially with this run game humming the way it is, Giants aren't going to really have any answers. So, yeah, give me the Eagles, even though they are on the road. Just give me the I need to find a dog, and I need to find one fast. And I'm not talking at the banks in Cincinnati. Falcons at Jaguars. Falcons are literally – Tonight, though. I'm taking well, it. Ooh, can we get to the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Best going out night of the year. You said to me – you say that about like 60 nights a year. <laughs> Every single night. What else night. have I said? You have said the night of daylight savings, the like best night go out the year. Oh, actually, yeah, I do hour. say that about daylight savings. You get the extra hour. But no, this one actually. And you say that literally every college football Saturday. Well, college football Saturday, it's a college football game going on. You need to rank. So you know how people send out those tweets about like ranking the beer? Like yeah. ranking, oh, shower beer. Which, shower beer making any of those lists. Uh, by the, Who the fuck thinks a shower beer is good? Yeah. yeah it, shower beers are fine. They're just not. What do you mean fine? I would say they're not even good. I, I'd rather have a beer after I get out of the shower. Yeah. They're fine. When's the last time you realistically drank a shower beer? It's been a while. I tried one I when I was like, like on a, a cabin trip or something where everyone's just drinking all day and you're doing some dumb shit. But like some point the summer. beer's getting warm. You're actually trying to shower. Like, well, I don't understand. The, like you're getting soap on your hands. You got shampoo flying into the lit. Like, what's the point? It's like a younger man's game, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, because you're it's more stupid and you don't really get it. And you're just like you're like rinsing yourself in the it's shower the with a beer. You're more going into the shower to drink the beer than actually like there's a difference between a shower beer where like you're just rinsing off and drinking a beer because you're an idiot. Yeah. But if you actually wanted to have a legitimate shower and bring a beer with you, I don't think there's a lot of value in that. That reminds me of when you said pouring beer on yourself. My brother used to pour uh, freezing cold water on me. 
growing up as a kid, like when I was like in high school. Every night? Well, no, no, I was like, like in the shower. Bo- we oh, shared yeah, a shower. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, were, yeah. We had two bedrooms. So we shared a shower. Um, and so like when I was in the shower, he'd like pour ice cold water on me. And so after enough times to get him back, I peed in the cup and poured pee on him. Oh, no way. <laughs> you poured pee on him? Yeah. And he hated that. And that no was shit. That you was took uh, it way too far. That was the end of that. that we uh, used to do work. that. So every time we'd have a hotel as kids with my family, we'd go on a vacation or something. You have like the ice bucket in a hotel, right? Yeah. And then eventually overnight, that thing melts in the morning. It's kind of uh, cold as shit. Cold. Whoever took right. the first shower, my dad would grab that and just douse your ass. And one time, one time, <laughs> it, you know, because you probably, when you did the water thing, you're dumping it over the top of the curtain because yeah. you're not trying to flash your. He yeah. came in, whipped the curtain open. I'm like, ah. And then he just goes, yeet, just like right on my chest, kind of blew me up. It wasn't pissed though, which yeah. I think he would have gotten to that step if it got into that level. But. Yeah. Did we Child even take Falcons Jags? Um, we have not yet. I'm taking a, another favorite here. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> I'm not touching the Jags. The Jags are one-and-a-half-point dogs. How the hell are the Jags only one-and-a-half-point dogs? The Falcons are not this horrendous. The Jaguars, I would even say— the last two weeks, to be fair. Who has? The Falcons. Yeah, I, but th- this, this is a Jaguars team that legitimately is worse than even their record, and their record isn't good. Yeah. The Jaguars have won two or two-and-eight, and they have a bottom two— Offense and defense and efficiency so far this year. Nothing is going well outside of the drop passes that Trevor Lawrence is throwing. Like every single week you have a highlight reel of Trevor Lawrence making some plays and it's Marvin Jones dropping every single one or it's whoever the fuck they else that got out there. Like I don't think this Jaguars team is even as good as their two wins they have. They should probably be in the market for the number one overall pick, but Lions are paving the way for them. I think the Falcons, again, another favorite on the road. I'm taking them. Yeah, the Jags haven't scored more than 23 points in a game this year. And... That's like the a league average offense averages more than that per game. And the Jaguars haven't done it once. This is – there's – Do you still feel good about Urban Meyer's coach of the no, year? No. I never called him coach of the year, but I feel terrible about him as just a head coach being. in general. And now they lose Jamal Agnew. They literally have no weapons for Trevor Lawrence to throw to. And it's not like it's schematically scheming guys open either. This is – I don't care who you are. I don't care what defense it is. Falcons aren't particularly special – but they're not going to put up points. It's not. It's what the Jaguars have done all year. So if you can guarantee me a team's going to score less than 23 points, I don't love them to cover in any given game. The total in that game is 46.5. At a one-point spread, you're expecting both teams to clear 23 points. Jags D has been okay, shall we say. But I kind of like the under, don't you? Yeah, but I, I also like the Falcons cover. All right. Falcons are favored on Greenline. If you are an elite subscriber, you could see that they're a value on Greenline. I'm finally picking a dog. Me too. Here and we it's go. my favorite dog. It's my favorite dog every year. Before this is I, not my favorite dog. I haven't picked him once this year. This is, my, this is my favorite team to bet as a dog. Oh. Because Terod Taylor is playing for yeah. the Houston Texans. And they're three and a half point dogs at home against Zach Wilson coming off an injury. Yeah, that's the thing. This is, in my opinion, a money line bet. I am big on Texans winning this week. I like the Texans. Oh, Texans. Texans over the Jets this week. Three and a half point dogs. I'm big keen. I am big keen. And it's because of Terod Taylor and Terod Taylor alone. It's not David Kelly. It's not this offense. It's not anything. It's Terod Taylor is the GOAT. And I'm betting him. Yeah, I like them too. Um, I just, the Jets defense is poop. Like, it's, it's not good. And the offense was better without Zach Wilson. So when Zach Wilson comes back, it's a legit downgrade. Uh, now, I hope we see the I, I hope we see him feature or throw to Elijah Moore because he was not early in the season and with him out Elijah Moore has been flourishing four touchdowns the past three weeks I hope we still see that but even still like I, I like I said I like this Texas offense how it was schemed up when or how it's been schemed up when Trad Taylor's been in there so give me the Texans can't believe I'm saying it before we get to this next game PFF has a promo code out. Cyber40 gets you 40% off any PFF subscription right now through December 6th. If you're interested in PFF, you got to subscribe. And then also, DraftKings this Thanksgiving. Be thankful for family food and free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a turkey day no-brainer you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game. And win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Literally, if either team scores a point. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the Thanksgiving action. Make your first deposit, and you can play for free. Play free for millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. 
Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code PFF this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling promo code one here gambler. That was pretty good. Back into that read was sexual and violent. Um, Chargers Broncos. Broncos opened as three-point dogs and now are just two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. At the two-and-a-half number, Chargers are a better team across the board. According to PFS Power Rankings, they're the 17th-ranked team in ELO, 13th-ranked team in offensive ranking, and 10th-ranked team in defense. The Broncos don't crack the top 20 in any of those. This Broncos team has not been good. Now, it's easier said than done playing in mile high, but I ride with where the where the betters are right now. 91% of the money line bets in this game are on the Los Angeles Chargers at roughly minus 135, and I am riding with that same bet. I do feel that the Chargers win this game, and at two and a half, under the key number three, I think it's a bet the house situation for me. I like the Broncos in this one. I picked another favorite. I like what they can do from a run block perspective now that quit Miners in the starting lineup. Miners? I hardly know her. 80.0 run blocking grade his last game. I think he is at right guard there, uh, paving the way for a, against a defense that we've said on this podcast with, like I said, Kenneth Murray only four stops all year long, back with a very soft defensive tackle position with Jerry Tillery not being able to hold up a double against a double team to save his life. I think they roll on the ground. And when they're rolling on the ground, that is when Teddy can be Teddy. Because when it's a third and four, Teddy can convert that. When it's a third and ten, Teddy cannot. So I like the Broncos' chance to score some points in this game. Miners is the difference? Well, just the run game in general. I yeah, thought Miners yeah one, was the guard, one guard's the difference. Miners sure. is the difference. And that's why probably the line has moved since you said that. Down to two and a half. Rams at Packers. Packers favored by just one at home. It's confirmed Aaron Rodgers doesn't have COVID toe, but it is still fractured. Yeah. There is still that part. I don't want to pick the Packers only because I've picked a billion favorites. That's terrible reasoning. That's terrible reasoning? All right. Well, you go first. Well, my reasoning is here's my reasoning. No Elton Jenkins. That was massive. He was a Pro Bowl left tackle. And you don't have your other Pro Bowl left tackle, David Bakhtiari, back. You have Yosh Nijman. I'm not pronouncing that correctly whatsoever. But no Yosh Nijman going up against Von Miller. That is not a good matchup. And, and – yeah, the Packers kind of made it work last year in the playoffs against the Rams with this quick passing game plan. And I do like Matt LaFleur uh, being able to scheme up some easy offense for them again. But at the same time, the Rams are fairly uniquely qualified to slow down this Packers offense if the run game is not working. And the run game, they do not have the guys they had rolling out last year who could move that off the line. You don't have Elton Jenkins being able to block Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald, who was not 100% last year going up against the Packers in the playoffs. You have Royce Newman trying to block Aaron Donald. You have, uh, what's his other face, left guard? I'm blanking. Whatever. But you have a weaker interior trying to block Aaron Donald. I just think that this Rams defense and Jalen Ramsey being able to guard Devontae Adams is qualified to stop what the Packers want to do offensively. There you go. That's I'm going to change my analysis. Okay. I'm taking the Packers because Aaron Rodgers just changed his profile picture on Twitter to this foot. Did he? Yeah. Oh. And I think that level of petty is hot. And I think he's he's get, he's in the right mindset to go in two at home, only one point favor of the Los Angeles Rams. I think that's the mindset I need. Knowing it's not COVID toe and knowing that he's proud of the toes he has, I think is all that I need. Yep. Vikings at 49ers. 49ers favored by three at home. This isn't a dog I like. I like the Vikings on the road to beat San Francisco. And this is with a Jimmy Garoppolo and a 49ers offense has been phenomenal lately. I do think that Minnesota, though we've called them the best bad football team in the NFL, Minnesota matches up well with the San Francisco 49ers. Kirk Cousins is one of the better graded quarterbacks so far this season when kept in a clean pocket. If they can keep some clean pockets here, even on the road, I think in San Francisco where weather won't be as much of a factor, I like them to cover the three. Yeah, I like the Vikings as well. And it's just you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's target map past two weeks when he said their offense has been rolling. It's literally within 10 yards over the middle of the field. Like his average after target last two weeks is under seven yards. And he's just pumping targets there. Well, the Vikings have two pretty good linebackers in Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr who are rangy and capable of making plays over the middle of the field. It would floor me if one of those two does not have a pick in this game or Harrison Smith. Like, He's going to throw one. That's where Mike Zimmer takes away for opposing offenses. So I think the Vikings 
slow down Jimmy G's sort of weirdly efficient underneath run. Do you think that Minnesota gets into the playoffs? Yes. Yeah, I do. I mean, like seven playoff teams. I think they're all already in as it stands right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're, I said they're underachieving still as is. Uh, yeah, I think they're probably going to make it. I think it's a good bet for the playoffs. Browns at Ravens on Sunday Night Football. Chris Collinsworth, the boss man, will be in Baltimore. Tell me why the spread shouldn't be bigger. Is there any reason that the Ravens should only be favored by four at home? The Browns have been down pretty bad lately. And now, maybe some of this is baking in that Lamar Jackson might be sick again and you're not able to see a Lamar Jackson. And Tyler Huntley, I think, loses to the Browns at home, unlike losing last time to the Bears on the road. But if Lamar Jackson's playing in this game, I think the Ravens should be favored by more than four, and I like them to cover. Yeah, I do as well. Do we ever, like, get clarity on what actually was wrong with Lamar Jackson? I think we, he was sick. I'm not sure. They never reported it, which, like, have we learned, like, I don't know. I don't want to speculate too much, but, like, he just was in and around people being sick. Like, does he not have a transmutable illness that, like, we've all been cognizant of? The fact that, you know, flus and other coughs and shit are very transmittable, and that's why people wearing masks and socially distancing themselves to pass, like... Or what does he have that he was just like was part of the team but also not able to play? I don't know. Whatever. I don't want to dig too deep. But if he plays, he's they're they're a much better team in this game. Yeah, I don't know what sickness he has. It's obviously negative. It's he's. Probably, I don't think he's been around the team though. He hasn't been. Practicing. No, he was. Oh, well, he was like in the locker room and shit like last week. That's why I was just like, hmm. what could it be that he's good enough to do that? But also sounds like Quinn has something to say. Well, so you're you're saying this all like tongue in cheek, but like I like obviously I follow Louisville football like. They have a bunch of players sick now, too. And, like, where was he a couple weeks ago? Louisville. Jersey retirement ceremony. So, like, maybe he is getting people sick. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? I don't know. It could be tough. It could be tough. I don't think he's going to be sick this week, There's going to be a conspiracy theory about it. All right, continue. I don't want to get into it. I'm (laughs) taking another dog here. Seahawks at football team are one-point dogs on the road in D.C. against Heineke and the boys. Seattle, I know, doesn't have a lot going for them, right? And they have, without, like, Chris Carson, I mean, they run the football and is not having a lot of success. Rashad Penny got hurt on the first play. Former San Diego State legend. Hurts his hamstring in this run game. has been a disaster. I think Russell Wilson finds a way against a Washington football oh, team. Washington. You just wanted to take a dog. I always want a dog. You All just right. had to take a dog. I need a dog. you had too many favorites. I had too many favorites, it. and I think if there was a dog I like, it's Monday Night Football Russ. Let Russ cook. No, I, I don't foresee him turning the corner against this defensive line truthfully i mean even without chase young they're still getting after opposing passers so yes give me the football team because seattle is just reeling on both sides of the ball reeling on both sides of the ball that's gonna do it for the nfl preview man that's gonna do it for the nfl preview should we get into this listener mailbag yes before we do one last sponsor shout out one last for the boys for the boys back home it's western southern whether it's football success or financial savvy the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies western southern is teaming up with pff's very own chris collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards want to hear about chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with al on sunday night football how about a need to know for your financial future now you can ask about either or both and every football or financial question you ask or do a chance to win a catered party for february's big game check out the chris collinsworth podcast where we were just on and western southern's instagram for answers to the best questions each week submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash ask chris one more time that is westernsouthern.com slash ask chris if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description below remember the western southern you can rest assured on game day it's game day baby all right listener mailbag season got a lot of questions make sure you rate review and subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts. and when you do leave a review if you leave a question in there your question gets automatically pushed to the top of the list courtesy of our producer max chadwick this is from mad dog 2021 what goal does pff believe nfl franchises should ultimately be orienting their team building strategy towards long term short term etc yeah this one was deep it's like how do you run a franchise that's kind of like this is kind of what we talk about all spring and with agencies for need, drafts for value, but I think he's more saying, do you play for the short term or do you play for the long term? And what I say to that is, where are you as a franchise? Like, that's what we always say is knowing where you are as a franchise is so key to what kind of moves you should be making. Are, are you the Lions? If you are, 
don't go out and negate your comp picks by signing Jamal Williams. You know, like don't go out and sign menial free agents to plug holes. Develop young guys, and now they're still doing that. They have they had like eleven rookies played thirty plus snaps or something this past week, something insane. But like, if you are the Rams and you're not going to have a lot of picks, and this is your window, and you're paying a lot of money right now, by all means, go out and get Odell Beckham. Now, I wouldn't say maybe give up as much as they gave up for Von Miller. That was kind of insane, but go maximize your window. Like I, I think that's a big part of, like I said, knowing where you are. Whereas, like, if you're, and we said it this past offseason with the Jaguars and the Jets, it's like, this is not the year you win the Super Bowl. So if you're going to go out and spend a bunch of money in free agency without, like, banking on this being the year it turns around, well, it's not going to happen. You're, you're too far away. So don't go out and do that. It's like, mm-hmm. don't waste your cap when the cap rolls over every year. Don't waste it right now when you could maximize that window in 2022. So I think that's kind of how we would say team building strategy, where are you as a franchise? How close are you to a Super Bowl? That should determine what you should do. But, and then at the same time, when you are in the draft, two is always better than one. I think I took that question less like literal. You added some specific strategies on how to chase this high-level goal, but like your high-level goal, both long-term and short-term, is what is the... How can I win a Super Bowl? And what's the closest yeah. path to winning that Super yeah. Bowl? And sometimes that is not winning football games and trying to get a quarterback and moving on and dumping players and stuff like that. Your 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 goal every single time should be to win a Super Bowl. Now, are teams actually like effectively monetized and incentivized to win Super Bowls? I mean, you look at Cincinnati and how they've spent their money and how they've had some strategy. They're just looking to survive and stay upright and stay in this clubhouse of 32 te- teams that just make a shitload of money every year. Now... There should be more ways, I think, to incentivize teams to have that as their ultimate goal. And I think on paper, that's everyone's ultimate goal. But a lot of their ultimate goals are honestly just how do I make, make more money? How do I make more money? And sometimes that's not always taking the, making the decisions to the shortest Super Bowl, right? It's, yeah. it's drafting a running back top four and selling his jersey like Darren McFadden back in the day or whoever the fuck it might be. It's building a face of the franchise and someone that's marketable yeah. and that kind of stuff. We, we can talk about the business side of that all day long. Renner has a, an accounting degree, so he could definitely help us out. Oh, yeah. From Andy the Man on Apple Podcasts. Apple. Sound like you. How do you, did. How do you decide between two players at the same position who are very close in rank? What factors do you consider? What are tiebreakers, etc.? Can I start? Yeah. I do think that, and we well, don't... He said, he said example, Chris Olave. Oh, he did say example, Chris Olave or Gary Wilson. For receiver... There is a lot of you know interest in the flavor of receiver that you want, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want a predominantly outside receiver or inside or a slot receiver? Do you want a guy that's a bigger body that's winning contested catch situations? Do you want a guy that wins after the catch like a Debo Samuel? I do think that what is your offense going to cater to, right? And like you look at the Cincinnati Bengals taking Jamar Chase, there's other factors like he used to play with Jamar Chase and he wins down sure. the football field and there's things like that. So I do think that every situation is different and even where on like when you're creating a draft board, right? Like there's these rankings. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, Chris Olave's 11th, Garrett Wilson's 12th. Those guys can be separated by magnitudes depending on the type of offense you run, the, the receivers yeah. you already have on your football team, the quarterback you have, the you know, all that type of shit. So I do think that it is your own personal flavor yeah, saver scheme, that you're trying whatever. to. I don't know what I'm saying, but but, yeah, but, you know I'm saying. but I do think sort of more take a step back if you're just looking at projecting next level when it is someone like Chris Olave versus Garrett Wilson. Now, I, I'm conservatively high on Garrett Wilson just from a pure talent perspective, but if you if you do say, hey, those are two players that I see talent-wise similarly, Garrett Wilson's a year younger. That That's a separator right there. The guy who's doing it at a younger age, who has that talent at a younger age, that right there, you can tell me, like, if, if you did have very equal, all everything else equal on them, age would be a separator there. In the Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith sort of debate last year that raged that we talked about all last spring. Jamar Chase had the more NFL projectable body type. Like, they both put up insane numbers in the SEC, productive, separators, whatever, had it all. Jamar Chase had the physical tools that you would project better to the NFL. So you put Jamar Chase head. Um, the other one that I got here was that like something else that could – differentiate two guys in your eyes even if maybe on the field you see them and they're similarly tooled sam cosme versus alex leatherwood last year both very very athletic both sort of project tackles coming out in terms of how they use their hands their pass sets whatever alex leatherwood played at bama he had the best coaching college football Mm -hmm. they have churned out offensive linemen 
Sam Cosby didn't. Sam Cosby like has an excuse for why he was not this technically savvy offensive tackle coming out. Alex Leatherwood really didn't quite have that. So that to me then would tip the scales towards Sam Cosby and did yeah. on our draft board. Also got to factor in, you know, you, you never factor in the interview process. Yes. Is he motivated? Is he a Does he chart? Does he chart? Does he Anybody chart? that shows Austin an Excel spreadsheet, top of the draft board. Th- th- that's what I'm saying. I if will- you're not using Excel in your pre-draft process, what's the fucking point? You would have hated Trent Williams. This is a good story that Will Montgomery, who used to work at PFF, NFL office lineman, he was a center for the football team, I guess it was Washington Redskins at the time, for a while, said he would chart every guy he went up against, watched all his film, whatever. Trent Williams would watch a few plays of the guys he was going up against, not chart a single thing, and be good. I just wanted to know what kind of guy they were. Wow. And, would, and Montgomery would ask me, like, why don't you like, go more in depth on them? He's like, I'm going to make them play my game. Wow, that's kind of sick, though. I mean, Trent Williams, you say it with that level of swagger. Yep. You say it with that swagger. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna take to it. I'm definitely he, gonna take to it. Exactly. This that is, was sick. It was a sick story, and I'm like, oh yeah. Well, when you're that, when you're the dude like Trent, yeah, then you do. Just like, like a freak. It's I mean, better to be, yeah. yeah. This is from Toddy's boy on Apple Podcast. Rank these defensive linemen going forward: Quinn Williams, Nick Bosa, Brian Burns, Josh Allen, Max Crosby. All start. Okay. Nick Bosa. Yeah. Max Crosby. Agreed. Josh. Uh, this works. I would go Josh Allen, Brian Burns, and Quinton Williams. Quinton Williams is last, regardless. I think yeah. Burns and Allen is where you could flip. And then Crosby, the fact that Crosby this year, even going against bad off the tackles, is like strong. You uh, strongly considering putting him number two behind Bosa is insane. Like how much he's improved. You know, we've talked about how much he's added to his frame, and he's been sober for a while. I mean, he has done so much to like legitimately revamp the player he is. Yeah. That, I mean, that you got to people don't talk about like he's not like a comeback player of the year candidate, right? Because he didn't get hurt or whatever. But like, if there was a most improved Breakout, player yeah. award, I mean, yeah. holy shit, this guy has like legitimately improved leaps and bounds. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, he's he's a monster. I mean, it, it's a close two. It, the, the tier to me is him and Bosa is their own tier, and then Burns Allen is their own tier, and Williams is his own tier. Uh, I would lean Burns. I just prefer that kind of rusher. But Josh Allen's damn good too. Like you're not going wrong, any of those top guys. And, and honestly, Quinn Williams came on this year more so than years past as well. So, do 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 do. On to redacted on Apple Podcasts. It's a cool name. Was it actually redacted? I don't or? know. I don't know. Max puts these things or, together. Yeah, that's what I want to know. What should the Lions do with the Rams pick? Also, is it clear cut that they should take Thibodeau at one? Your thoughts? I, I think. Thibodeau, okay, so Thibodeau at one, not so clear-cut. You can go Stingley, even though with the injury, that would be a sick cornerback group there with Stingley and Okuda. I almost like want to lean that if I'm the Lions just because of what that could be, you know, how that could look if you have two shutdown cornerbacks, uh, especially, and maybe I shouldn't say especially, Aaron Rodgers might not be there for too much longer, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. I don't think you can go wrong with him, Thibodeau. Hamilton. Any of those three, I'd, I'd be completely fine with if I am a Lions fan. What should the Rams do with the Rams pick, though? That's where I'd go quarterback. Like I think you still take a shot at quarterback in this class. No, don't leave without one. And that is where I would want to take one more. So it's probably later in the first round. So there you go. I like it. I think I'm with you. I think I am with you. Fake on Apple Podcasts. Okay, so we just went redacted. Now this is fake. Yeah. I think Max is playing Max games is, with our shit. Yeah. One, when will SCSU hire Austin to be Minister of Culture for Aztec football? It's a good fucking question. If you're looking for a Minister of Culture, I don't even think I was meant for the job I have now. I'm meant to be someone's Minister of Culture. Can you imagine being a Minister of Culture? Probably soon. What dorm was Mike in, and was it the right choice? Okay, it's called Halls at Notre Dame. They're not called dorms. Don't get it twisted. Uh, I was started in O'Neill. I moved to Siegfried because my friend from high school— same year as oh. me. Uh, went to Notre Dame, and I. Uh, I just found um, the redacted. Max yeah. tried to save this from the pot. He just slacked it to us both. the The person's name was Mike's girlfriend that had chlamydia. Oh, <laughs> Max, you got to keep that in there, man. That's good oh, stuff. On, That's good talent. That's good talent. That's good bags. Is what it is. All right, go ahead. Uh, she didn't have chlamydia, actually. That oh, was the, that was the, that was the all, that was the end of the story. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't have COVID toe. Exactly. It was very similar to the COVID. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Can we see your toe? Um, but I was, yeah, started in O'Neill, transferred to Siegfried because my buddy from high school also went the same year as me. Uh, and he lived in Siegfried. And Siegfried was 
they had better sports, uh, inter, inter hall sports teams. So I went there to play uh, on those because you play, you don't play like with your friends, you play with your hall in all football, basketball, whatever, baseball. We won in baseball. No this baseball. sounds like some Harry bomb. Potter shit. Yeah, dude. it, sounds it kind like of is. It kind of is. It's all male dorms, all female. Or excuse me, but Gryffindor. I, I just fucked it up. All female halls, all male do- halls. Uh, but I will say, South Dining Hall is consistently ranked one of the best dining halls in the country. It is incredible food. It is why I got so fat at Notre Dame. Uh, that if you if you are, I would say I can't remember the one hall that's on the South Campus that's like very new. You want to be in South Dining Hall though. It is the bomb. Do they let the men and women? Eat together? Yeah, they do. Really? It's kosher. Yeah. Oh wow! Were you making moves in the dining hall? No, or just grubbing? I would be there with like five chocolate milks, just putting out a vibe. Like, don't talk to me. This is putting out a vibe. <laughs> this is what I came for. Jeez, love that. All right, this is from Brett on the Beat on Apple Podcasts. Only Apple Podcast questions. Say, got a rate and review. Got a rate and review. Let's be honest. The Steelers have the best receiving core in the league. Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool can't show their skills because of Ben, and they still have Juju, who's on the IR. Do the Steelers take a rookie quarterback or trade for Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and go all out while they still have a top-five defense? Top-five defense might be rich. Not to mention, he need they need corner and offensive line. I do think that they do not have the best receiving core in the league. They don't have the best receiving core in the league, mm-hmm. but they have good receiving talent. Yeah. I would take the Cowboys. That would be the top receiving core in the NFL. Yeah, I would take the Bucks. I would. I would rather have. This one's tough, but I think I'd rather have what the Chiefs have, just with two dominant receivers. Any other teams that start with a B? Then with, mm. then the Steelers. The Bengals are close. They are in the conversation. They they're similarly tooled. I'd honestly probably rather have the Bengals. I'd rather have the Broncos. So there are a number of teams out there with better receiving course. but they have a very good one, and. I do think they are going to be an attractive landing spot for a quarterback this offseason because they have some space next year. They obviously have a good front seven defensively. They lose. Joe Hayden will be a free agent. We'll see what happens with him. He's obviously fairly up there, getting up there in age. It's attractive because of the wide receivers, but they're going to, whoever they take in, they're going to get, to get some, some, spend some cash on that O-line. But I will say with the stability of that you know, coaching staff, with the franchise, winning franchise, whatever, that it will be an attractive landing spot. It would not surprise me whatsoever if Russ, A-Rod, Carr ends up a Steeler. I do think that even though we've talked a lot about them being getting in the rookie quarterback market and being at the back end of the first, if they can get their hands on a big, a big name, I'm keen. Trivia. You ready? Let's do it. Yep. All right. We uh, so our friend Perk Angel is back this week. Perk Angel. He, yeah, Wait, Perk Angel. The... He wants to know: since 2000, only three first overall picks have won a Super Bowl at any point in their careers as players. Who are they? Eli Manning. Since 2000, you said. Was he since first? 2000? Yeah, okay. that, Eli Manning. That counts. Even though he got traded, it counts. Yeah, yeah, that counts. It counts. Um, so only three first round picks have won a Super Bowl at some point in the career. Okay. Um, Peyton. Eli? No, not Peyton. He was 98. Well, yeah, he was I mean, yeah, he 98. Feels uh, like 98. Oh, gosh. Other first overall picks. This is tough. Oh. No. What are you going to say? I don't know. I'm going to get it. Don't worry. I, I got this. First. Not Tremarcus. Or did he? Eric Fisher was the number one overall pick. Eric over Fisher did. Yes. So. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Eric Fisher is number two. There you go. You got one more. Quarterback. Man, why am I so bad? I don't know. I can't I can't think. I'll get it. No, I'll get it. Oh man. What year? Now yeah, that's gonna give it away. Yeah. Uh, draft year or Super Bowl year? Just uh, either one. Draft uh, Super Bowl year was 2013. Okay. So that. I don't know, dude. This, I'm so bad with this shit. I don't know what to say. 2013 was that the Ravens? Is it the Ravens? No. Okay. Who was it? Giants won the Super Bowl that year. Oh, so it was a backup quarterback for the Giants? Backup QB for the Giants, yeah. Who was it? <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, no idea. I don't either. 
David Carr. Oh, David, David Carr Car- has a Super Bowl ring. David Carr has a Super Bowl, Super Bowl that's ring. The, yeah. That's the biggest trivia. Yeah, that, well, that's why I looked it up. That's why I had the Super Bowl year pulled up God in front of me because I did not know that, that David terrible. Carr had a Super Bowl ring. That was, that was one of my worst performances. So, yeah. Same. Well, that's that's kind of a tough one. Good job, Perk Angel. Keep him coming. Perk Angel or Burke Angel? Perk. P-E-R-C. Like the... Yeah. Like Perk said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Go. That's probably where, where it stems from. Um, on Saturday, tailgate is headed to Ann Arbor for number two, Ohio State versus number five, Michigan. And the bar that we are supposed to shout out is... Uh, scorekeepers. scorekeepers. Yep, there Skeet. you go. Salfaro shouting out scorekeepers. That's where uh, tailgate's going to be. Last time the Wolverines took down the Buckeyes was in 2011. Who were the two quarterbacks in that game? Uh, shoelace. The hell Shoelace? It was? No, who the hell is Shoelace? Oh, Denard Robinson. <laughs> yeah, Denard Robinson. I didn't know that was his nickname. Um, it's because he didn't tie his shoes, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's I, yeah, that is ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Tanara uh, Robinson and Ohio State. Who would have been? They had some lean. Uh, Braxton Miller, maybe. Braxton Miller. Yeah, oh, I was going to give you a hint. It was a guy that tied his shoes, but yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yep. Uh, okay, last one here. Michigan. Talk about fun to watch. Both those guys are sick. Yeah, that the Braxton Miller spin move. Even though I hate Ohio State, is is still probably yeah. one of the better college football highlights really in, at least mm-hmm. in, in the last 10 15 years sure. uh okay last one michigan edge defender aiden hutchinson currently has a 93.2 grade if that holds it'd be the second highest graded season by a michigan player in the pff college era who is first Devin Hurst. bush Hurst. oh maurice Hurst. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. 94.4 r.i.p he was high he, would be like number three, number three on the draft board. yeah that was my first draft here I same, think. same. And i remember he was like super super high on our board. he was he was big mike loved him loved him some maurice hurst uh was there a bonus question that max sent you yeah, are you guys not doing? Oh yeah, he did send it to me. Yeah, yeah. we're not doing. Know your co-host. Um, so I got two. This, these are Thanksgiving questions. Uh, first one, Austin. This or Mike, I guess this is mm-hmm. for you. Austin, you can chime in if you want. This corner is the highest graded Packer on Thanksgiving since like we started grading. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we're using PFF grades, not. Not any other body, not anybody else's grading system. Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson. Nice. Austin, this receiver is the highest graded Raider on Thanksgiving. Luis Murphy. No. Um, Mark Cooper. No, that's a good guess though. Chaz Schillens. I don't even know who that is. Yeah, yeah. Jerron Kreiner. Negative. Uh, Jerry Porter. uh, Ford. Jacoby Ford. Jacoby Ford. Negative. Give me the first letter of his first name. Yeah. A. A. Ooh. So it's not Amari Cooper. It's no, it's not Amari Cooper. Hmm. A. I don't know. Who the fuck is it? Andre Holmes. Andre Holmes was my 90. guy. 90.2. Yes. I loved Andre Holmes. Number 18. He was so, he was dope. Yeah. One of the few. Proud. That's all right. it. I, I'm, I'm all out of questions now, so you guys are on your own. I'll leave you guys with this. This is the end of the Tailgate Podcast. Have an absolutely incredible Thanksgiving. Eat all the shitty turkey you guys can. We will be back next week from Ann Arbor. We're on Ann Arbor, and we're going to burn that place to the ground if Michigan wins. That's a fact. Until next time, Austin Gill, Mike Renner, tailgate. So, Arnold, you started at Temple, spent three years there. Talk to me about that experience and growing within that program before you made the decision to go to Penn State. Well, early on at Temple, um, given the fact that I got to Temple, I was around 200 pounds. So I knew the biggest thing for me was to go into my body, kind of gain weight, and during that process, I also had to learn the game of football, given the fact that I stopped playing football so late. Mm-hmm. So I was just out there, I mean, learning from the older guys, playing my role, which was getting snaps here and there in some of the games. And it wasn't until last year that I got my opportunity to start for the team. I think that's when I made the most of it. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at how you've graded in PFF system. You look at that last year at Temple in 2020. Yeah, it was a COVID kind of abbreviated season, but an 85.0 PFF grade in 2020. And then you make the decision to transfer to Temple. What all went into that decision and what drew you ultimately to Penn State? Well, I thought um, after that year at Temple, I felt like I did what I needed to do. And I was I'm, I'm always looking for ways to become a better player and I was looking for a better challenge. And I wanted to go to a program that was going to give me the opportunity to kind of compete at a higher level. And Penn State was just the best 
uh, place for me, given the fact that when you look back on some of the edge defenders they had in the past and looking at my skill set, I felt like I, I, I fit perfectly into that system. That's why going to Penn State was really the, an easy decision for me. What role did James Franklin play in all of that? And I guess speak to the relationship that you have with James Franklin. Obviously, he's coming, you know, getting that big extension. James Franklin, a big part of Penn State and that program. What's your relationship with him and what role did he play in that recruiting process? I have a very good relationship with him, given the fact that from the jump, he was completely honest with me. I mean, the biggest thing talking to him in the process was you have an opportunity to come in and kind of earn the job. I mean, it's not just going to be handed to you. You have to come in and earn it. And for me, I took it as I took it as it was. I knew that I had to come in, work every day and kind of go from there. And that's exactly what I did. Where would you say, because obviously you start playing football in high school, right? And then you have this opportunity, limited opportunities, your first two years at Temple, finally get to start there at Temple. And now have really ascended into you know, a senior bowl invite, one of the best players, one of the best seniors in all of college football. Where would you say your game has improved the most, right? Is it football IQ? Is it understanding the game? Is it what you've done in the weight room, film work, all that stuff? Where would you say your game has improved the most? Um, I think the biggest thing, given the fact that I've been in college for so long, I think everything just started to slow down for me mm-hmm. in terms of also football IQ and kind of recognizing everything that's out there. Obviously, I still have a lot of, I still have some things that I can work on to improve my game and take my game to even a higher level. But I think right now, just from the start of the season to now, I just kept getting better in terms of recognizing things out there and just hitting the right move at the perfect time. That's basically that's that's an aspect where I believe my game took a not a step from last year to this year. Talk about your film process right now, right? In a given game week, what exactly are you looking for on film? When are you turning that on? Are you how much of that is on? You know, looking at film of yourself from the previous week, the opposing offense, the certain tackle you're going to go against. I'd love to hear more details about like kind of how you approach the film room. So what I do is. Um, as we go through the defensive breakdown, I try to look at some of the some formation that the off, the offense do a lot in terms of play recognition. You try to figure out when they line up in this particular formation, what kind of play they they are going to run based off that. And you also look at what the tackle you're going to go against. Some of the things that they do well, you basically try to limit some of the things that they do well and try to use that to your advantage. So I think in terms of pass rushing, it's really like a chess game. You really got to make the right move at the, at the right time. That's basically, that's how I try to approach it every week. I think talking to different pass rushers, they place different importance on having a variety of moves or having just one really strong move that you can lean on and then if multiple counters off of that. Where are you at in that debate, right? Do you want to add every move under the sun and have 50 different moves you could throw at a guy or are you really focusing on specializing in you know, a handful of moves to work as primary moves and counter moves? So I think for me... I try to focus on three moves. Mm-hmm. It's either speed, speed of power, and speed of the undercut. Mm-hmm. So I kind of focus on those three and mastering those three and kind of knowing. Because the biggest thing, you got to know when to use it. Yeah. So if you're being smart with it and you know when exactly to use your move, that's kind of what has been working for me throughout this season. Gotcha. That's awesome, man. And have you had any opportunities to watch film on other college pass rushers or even NFL pass rushers to pick up some of those moves? Or, or how much are you watching other pass rushers to add to your arsenal? Yeah, I, I watch a lot of other guys and <laughs> NFL players too, especially when it comes down to scouting a specific opponent you're playing that week. And, you know, in the Big Ten, there's a lot of good pass rushing. You go back and whenever uh, those guys play the uh, same exact Office line, so you go go back and see some of the moves that they use. You try to see if you can incorporate that to your game, and that that's always helpful to watch other guys and kind of see what they do. I also wanted to bring up you know a, a player that's been on this podcast, one of your teammates, Jaquan Brisker, who is obviously an on the football field and off the football field leader. What's your relationship with him, and how much do you feel he's had an impact on this program, not just this year, but the years he's been there? I mean, me and Jaquan, we have a incredible relationship uh, from the time I came into Payne State. He one of those guys that always pushed me and encouraged me to give the best of myself out there. I mean, I don't have to talk a lot about how great of a football player he is. I mean, he shows that day in and day out out there every Saturday on the football field.
And you guys both, and uh, big congratulations to you, but you guys both got invites to the All-Star Game down there in Mobile, the Senior Bowl, a huge opportunity to flex in front of coaches and all these scouts and stuff like that. How excited are you for that opportunity? I guess what part of that process are you most looking forward to? Well, what I'm really most looking forward to, you get to go against some of the best players in college football, and there's no better opportunity for, for me to go out there and to prove that I'm the best, you get to go against the best. So it's just a huge opportunity for me to go out there and showcase what I can do. 100%. I will say this. Every time we go down there, it's such an opportunity, right, to go yeah. one-on-one against the biggest offensive tackles, the best offensive tackles in the country. Uh, a couple more ones for you here, and then I'll let you go. What do you feel are going into this big game, going into Michigan State, in East Lansing? What is the energy like in that locker room? And what are your guys' goals going into this obvious big game? Well, it's definitely a huge, a huge opportunity. I mean, getting to go against a very good Michigan State team. I mean, we know what they represent. We know what they was able to do this year, and we're excited. We know what we have to do. We know what the game plan is. They're going to try to come in and run the ball. Our goal is to stop the run and earn the right to pass rush. Love that, man. Well, Arnold, this has been fantastic. Or AK, really appreciate you jumping on the show. Sorry about the Zoom troubles within that. But thanks again. I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season, obviously against East Lansing. And then also, we'll see you, see you down there in Mobile and wish you the best of luck at the Senior Bowl as well. Thank you. Appreciate it.